1 Peter chapter 5. While the focus of my message will be on verse 5, I want to read verses 1 through 7 so that we understand what is being said in its proper context. 1 Peter 5, beginning in verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. The title I've given this morning's sermon is Honoring the Elderly. Honoring the Elderly. And you'll notice at the beginning of verse 5 that Peter uses a connecting word to link and contrast what has been said with what he is about to say. And the word that he chooses to use in Greek, which has been translated to our English Bibles, is the word likewise. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Now, pausing here for a moment, if we are going to understand the contrast regarding what has been said and what Peter is about to say, it is needful for us to call to mind what he said before the likewise. And glancing up to the first four verses of chapter 5, you will remember that Peter has been asserting various truths regarding the shepherd's relationship to the sheep and the sheep's relationship toward their shepherds. Peter says that it is needful for the shepherds of the flock to lead and feed the sheep that God has placed among them, which we saw last Sunday morning. And this clearly infers that the sheep who belong to the flock will joyfully submit to and follow the spiritual guidance of Christ's appointed shepherds. That's the sum and the substance of verses 1 through 4. The context is that Christ's sheep will submit to their shepherds as Christ's shepherds submit to Christ, the chief shepherd. And it's important that we do not overlook this all-important feature of submission. When Peter calls on believers to submit themselves to others... He always does so, reminding us first that no one is excluded from submitting to someone. 
And second, that believers ought to submit themselves to earthly authorities because it is agreeable to God's will. So tracing it out again, as we have observed from the whole of Peter's epistle, beginning in chapter 2, Peter speaks of the need for believers to submit to governing authorities in the world for the Lord's sake. Likewise, in 1 Peter 2, Peter speaks of the need for Christian servants to be subject to their masters. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter speaks of the need for Christian wives to be in submission to their husbands as a testimony of God's grace. And then, in the first five verses of 1 Peter 5, Peter speaks of the need for Christ's sheep to come under spiritual leadership within the church, while also reminding the leadership of the church that they will stand before the senior shepherd one day and give an account of their ministry to him. So all this being said, the topic of submission that is interwoven within Peter's epistle is a topic that cannot be ignored and must be humbly accepted by all who identify with Christ. All Christians are expected to submit to God. And all Christians, in one realm of life or another, must submit to the authorities that God has placed above them. So looking back to our text, In verse 5 of chapter 5, Peter says, Likewise, or in the same way, shepherds are to honor the chief shepherd. And similar to the appeal for the sheep to honor their church leaders, Peter says, Ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elders. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. And the truth that Peter is declaring in verse 5 is the need for younger believers to honor and respect older believers. And I'm of the impression that if ever this truth needs to be emphasized in the church. Surely it is in the unruly day that we live. Sadly, we're living in a society that increasingly ridicules the idea of honoring the elderly. And it's high time that we as a church do what God expects us to do despite what the world thinks and does. So that being said, let me take the text at hand and give you four truths to contemplate regarding Peter's exhortation for the younger to submit themselves to senior saints. If you're taking notes this morning, contemplative truth number one is the command itself. And in the consideration of this command that Peter gives... I want to begin by first considering what the command does not mean. What the command does not mean. 
when Peter says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, he does not mean that those who are mature in age have ownership over those who are younger than them. Now, let's not forget what we talked about last week regarding the shepherds and the sheep. While the sheep are to submit themselves to the shepherds of the flock, nowhere does the Bible teach that the sheep are the shepherd's possession. The word for submission here is not referring to a blind, unquestionable allegiance. The word submission in Scripture is always in agreement to what is fitting in the Lord. Remember Peter and John, Acts chapter 4? They were commanded by the authorities to quit teaching and preaching in the name of Christ. And they said, we're sorry, but we submit ourselves to Christ. And when man's ways go against God's ways, we will follow God's ways. The word submission in Scripture is always in agreement to what is fitting in the Lord. So Peter is not teaching that if an aged saint among the congregation commands you among the younger generation to give all your money to them, that you should do it without hesitation. Peter is not giving those who are older in the congregation liberty to lord their age over others acting like a tyrant. Don't you recognize who I am? I'm your elder. You better respect me as your elder or else I'm going to hit you with my cane. You better never sit in my pew or I'm going to run over your toes with my walker. When Peter says, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder, he means that humble respect suitable to the Christian faith ought to be given to those who are older than we are. And when I say older, I'm not talking about somebody who says, well, I'm 37 and a half and you're only 37, so submit to my half-year lordship over you. I'm not talking about honoring someone who's close in age. I'm talking about honoring our spiritual fathers and our spiritual mothers. I'm talking about remembering Moses' command given to Israel to rise up before the hoary head and honor the face of the old man spoken in Leviticus 19.32. That's what Peter is speaking of here. An honoring and a respect to those who have lived life longer than we have. Those who have been in the faith longer than we have. Now, by way of application, let me spell this out for us by giving some practical ways this can be done within the context of Christ's church. What does honoring the elderly look like among Christ's church? How can we practically put what Peter is saying here in 1 Peter chapter 5 into practice every time we gather on the Lord's Day? Well, here are some practical suggestions. Honoring the elderly involves acknowledging them and greeting them in church. 
Now, we're going to get into the nitty-gritty here. Honoring the elderly involves acknowledging them and greeting them in church. Now, keep in mind, this letter of Peter is a letter written to believers that would have been read audibly in the assembly of the saints. So applying it in the context of the assembly, I think it's safe to say that one of the ways we can honor the elderly is by acknowledging them and greeting them in church. Sounds simple, doesn't it? Yet I'm amazed. I'm amazed at how many young people come in, find their seats, pull out their phones while ignoring spiritual parents and grandparents in the congregation. There's no effort to greet. There's no effort to smile. There's no effort to ask how they're doing. It seems by my observations that many young people expect the older generation to approach them. Help me out, older generation. It's okay to get after the younger generation. Listen, these things ought not so to be. One of the ways in which we can honor those who are older than us is, number one, acknowledging that they exist. They're ten feet from us. Approach them and greet them in the name of Christ. And in our acknowledging that they exist, it's important that we greet them with a warm Christian handshake and smile. That if you don't know who they are, you need to break the ice and get to know them who they are. So that's number one. Honoring the elderly involves acknowledging them and greeting them in church. Another way we can honor those who are our seniors involves listening to them and learning from them. Now, I'm not merely speaking to the teens or those in their early 20s, but those in their 30s, those in their 40s, and those in their 50s. Everyone. When was the last time you sat in the living room of a senior saint and just listen, desiring to learn from them. When was the last time you invited someone who has walked with God for decades over into your home with the sole purpose to glean from their spiritual wisdom? Have we forgotten about the exhortation to show ourselves hospitable? 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9. When was the last time... Listen, when pressed with a difficult decision in life that we went to someone we considered a spiritually minded brother or sister in the Lord who is over us in age and asked them to give us counsel regarding what we should do. The Bible does say that there is safety in the multitude of counselors. And yet in our pride, we cut off spiritual safety by not taking advantage of the wisdom and the life experience that God has placed within the church for our good. Are you listening, young people? Look around. Those who walk with wise men shall be wise. Honoring the elderly begins with acknowledging them and greeting them. It involves listening to them and learning from them. Third, it involves being polite and kind toward them. You can call me old-fashioned if you please. But I'm still of the persuasion 
that it is polite and it is kind to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to those who are the age of our parents and grandparents. I'm still of the persuasion that it is polite and kind to look people in the eye when you're talking to them. I'm still of the persuasion that you should never speak to those who are the age of your parents and grandparents in a condescending tone. And listen, as the memory of some fades, and those older than you accuse you of all sorts of things that you're not guilty of, one of the ways we can honor them is by just taking the hit and committing it to the Lord, recognizing that you will be there one day. We can show respect and honor to those who are more mature in age than we are by being polite and kind to them. There's a Christian concept. Be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. A fourth practical way we can honor the elderly within the context of the church is by considering their needs. Considering their needs. Listen, men, if someone who is your elder approaches the church doors and the ushers are busy doing something else and you see it and you're nearby to be of assistance, you should do everything you can to open the door. Especially for a woman. Especially for a widow. Especially for those who have physical disabilities. And children, listen. Honoring the elderly means that we don't run wild in church. We're careful of those who have difficulty in their balance. We don't want to knock them over. We don't want to send them to the hospital. We run outside. We're mindful of those who are our spiritual parents and grandparents. It means also to everyone that we allow those who are more mature in age to go first in line at the church lunches. Uh-oh, now we're getting convicted. But the pastor has ordered barbecue lunch for the anniversary celebration. I've got to be first in line. First shall be last. The last shall be first. Well, turning our attention outside of Sundays, outside the walls of the church building, honoring the elderly can involve seeing if we can be of some practical help throughout the week. Listen, what a shame that so many young adults don't even give a moment's thought about serving the senior saints throughout the week. Why? So many young adults don't look for opportunities to serve. They don't consider the needs of others. They don't want to take the effort to ask in church on Sunday, is there anything I can do for you in the week to come? And they don't do so because they're too wrapped up in themselves. They're too wrapped up in the trivial things of this life. Listen, young people, stop wasting your time on Facebook and video games and whatever else you waste your time on and start setting the needs of others before your own. I'm serious. Go rake a yard. Go wash a car. Check in from time to time to see if you can help a senior saint change a light bulb or change an air filter, those things mean the world to those who cannot do it. 
I'm giving you practical ways that you can be a doer of God's word, not just a hearer only. I'm giving you several habits through which you can put Peter's words into action. So contemplative truth number one is the command itself. How do we honor the elderly? Well, I've given you several practical ways. So put it into practice. Now turning to the second contemplative truth of the text, I want you to take careful notice of the command connected to the command. The command connected to the command. Look to Peter's words again, verse 5. Likewise, ye youngers, submit yourself unto the elder. That's the command. Yea, all of you be subject one to another. And that's the command within the command. You see it? The command connected to the command is that all believers, both young and old should submit to one another as they strive to submit themselves to God. You say, how does that work? I thought submission was a one-way street, a one-sided obligation. Well, think about it again in the context of what we considered in verses 1 through 4 regarding spiritual shepherds. There may be instances within the life of a church where the sheep are older than the shepherds. Have you ever seen this before? And in the cases where this happens, there's a young pastor. The biblical expectation is for the younger pastor to show honor to those who are older than he is while the older submit to the pastor's God-given calling and position. The younger shepherds are called to care for the older sheep while the older sheep are to care for the younger shepherd. There's a mutual caring for one another. That's the process of iron sharpening iron. So it is with those who are younger in age and those who are older in age. Those who are younger ought to show respect to those who are older, and those who are older ought to be subject to those who are younger as they speak the truth of God's word into our life. And this brings up a good point. Not all older people among the church are necessarily Christian or spiritually mature. Quantity of years is no guarantee of quality of wisdom and experience. So the idea that just because you are older doesn't mean that you cannot learn biblical truth from someone younger than you needs to be cast out of the window. Nor does it mean that just because you are older, you have no right to go to someone younger than you to get practical advice. I hope I never reach a place where I refuse to seek counsel from someone younger than me who truly wants to help me grow in the Lord. I hope I never come to the place where I do not seek the wisdom of my children as they speak biblical truth into my life. Are you listening? I hope I never come to the place as my mind pays to think that I'm always right just because I have experience in life. This is the command within the command. Yea, all of you, older and younger, be subject one to another. What are we subject to? We're subject to the will of God. We're subject to the Lord, but they're younger. But if they preach truth into your life, that's an agreement with God's will. 
you ought to submit yourself to that truth. And that's a way that you honor them. So the command within the command is, as we seek to submit ourselves to the teaching of God's word, there ought to be a humble subjection one to another. And this then leads to our third contemplative truth, which is the Christ-like principle connected to the commands. The Christ-like principle connected to the command. So we have the command. And we have the command connected with the command. And now we have the Christ-like principle connected to both commands. Notice it. Peter says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourself unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and... Be clothed with humility, for God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. I find it very interesting that God moved Peter to remind us that it is needful to be clothed with humility within the mentioning of being submitted one to another. Could it be that our pride might keep us from doing what God wants us to do? Could it be that our selfishness might be the singular reason why we would resist honoring one another in Christ-like humility and love? Now listen, the only way any of us will submit to God and His commands to submit to others is through clothing ourselves in humility. The only way we are going to put the needs of others before our own is by dying to our wants and wishes, our comforts. Well, I don't feel like getting up from my pew and shaking somebody's hand. It doesn't matter how you feel, what's right and what's most God-honoring. Quiet this morning. I was expecting those mature in age to start preaching through their amens. How do we do what God commands us to do? We clothe ourselves in humility. How do we clothe ourselves in humility? Here it is. By continually reminding ourselves of Christ. And the principal text regarding Christ and humility is Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Let nothing be done through personal ambition. In other words, stop focusing on yourself. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. The king of kings left his throne in heaven To become a slave to God for the saving of your soul. What humility. 
If we are going to do what Peter is calling us to do, we must, we must, we must put Philippians 2, 3 through 8 into practice. We must continually maintain the mind of Christ. Remember, Christ was the one who took up a towel and washed the dirty, stinking feet of the disciples. The Creator stooped down to serve others. So within the context of the local church, we could say, he who dies with the dirtiest towel wins. Go read the quote of Spurgeon outside the kitchen regarding the chief and the principal man in the church. It's the man who desires God to be glorified even if everybody wipes their boots on him. So thus far we've considered the command. Yay, what is the command? The younger should submit to the elder. The command connected to the command is, yea, all of you should be submissive one to another. And then the Christ-like principle connected to the commands is this principle of humility, this principle of selflessness, this principle of putting the needs of others before our own. And the fourth and final thing I want us to consider from verse 5 is the obvious biblical solution to the generational war that sometimes exists among churches. Now, don't lose me here. This last point is extremely important. I wish every Christian, young and old, could hear this. I wish there was a way to gather all pastors of the world, both young and old, for a conference and preach this one point. I'm convinced that what is given to us in 1 Peter 5, verse 5, is the biblical solution to the generational war that sometimes exists among churches. You say, what is the generational war? Here it is. The generational war that exists among churches involves the older people resisting change that the younger people sometimes want to introduce and the younger people resisting the wisdom and experience the older people have. Let's be honest, such a generational war exists. And sadly, in the midst of such wars, there's no consideration for a workable biblical solution. So I'm submitting to you that this text has the answers for us. This text can answer the solution for this war. We ought to consider it. So under this last heading, let me give you two pastoral exhortations that will help those who are younger and those who are older dwell together in unity as God intends. Subpoint number one. Are you ready? I'll deal with both sides. Subpoint number one. It's never helpful, wise, or honoring to the Lord... When the older generation frowns upon the younger generation. Now, there are times among churches where the older generation is cold, cranky, and inconsiderate toward the younger generation. There are times in which the older generation detests seeing children in the church services. And this is why some churches have programs going on for children in a far distant building where they're never seen and they're never heard from. 
There are times in which the older generation resists all change. And they say, we've never done it that way before. We only know one way of doing church ministry. There are times in which the older generation run the church and they never give the younger generation a chance to take the baton from them. They never give a listening ear to younger members. They forget that they were once like us, these young adults, immature and still growing in the Lord. So I'm saying, as a younger man who has heard the complaints from the younger generation, that sometimes this is the cause of the generational war that exists among churches. It's never helpful, it's never wise, it's never honoring to the Lord when older generation snub their nose towards the younger generation. We want it to be us four and no more. Listen, we ought to be loving, patient, prayerful, encouraging the younger generation as our older generation was with us. Sub point number two. It's foolish, harmful, and dishonoring to the Lord when the younger generation ignore and push away the older generation. Listen, this new fad among churches where the younger generation wants to come in and run the older people out is wrong and ungodly. I've never heard a pastor preach on this before. But that's what the text is telling us to do. The younger generation ought to consider the wisdom and the experience of the older generation. And this is precisely my problem with all the new church gimmicks that have been widely accepted. Now listen, much of this seeker-sensitive junk that's hijacked and destroyed churches has come from the younger generation arrogantly thinking that they know better than their elders. Do you want to know where the philosophies of Chucky Church has come from? Chucky Cheese Church? It came from the younger generation refusing to get counsel from the older generation who has walked with God for decades and they've studied the Bible most of their life. Do you want to know how we've come to accept the worldly atmosphere and the worldly practices that's taking over most churches today? It's come by the younger generation refusing to sit at the young or older generation and learning from them. What you are seeing in most churches is the fruit of pride. Somebody say amen this morning. I thought I had an extra hour to preach because of the time change. Somebody else said it just gives church members an extra hour to sleep during the preaching. I guess that's the case. This is exactly my Sunday night series. Where did it come from? How did it arise? I'll tell you. It arose from the spirit of Rehoboam. 
1 Kings chapter 12, read it this afternoon. Rehoboam forsook the counsel of the old men and consulted with the young men that he grew up with. This is what is taking place. Listen, young people, the older generation, for the most part, doesn't want party church. They are grieved by the loud music being shouted in their ears. They have serious biblical concerns about the gimmicks that are being employed in the name of Christ. My question is, who is honoring them? Who is going to give the older generation a church with conservative music and biblical preaching? Who's going to give them meat over cotton candy? There's no consideration of this. There's no consideration for what is biblical, and therefore there's no consideration for the need to honor the elderly among the church. Our attitude, speaking of the younger generation, our attitude is too bad. If they don't like it, they can leave. That's just the way it is. It's our way or the highway. God through Peter is teaching us that such an attitude is pride. It's arrogant. It's ungodly. It's far from the spirit of Christ. That's our problem. We're proud. God resists the proud. So God isn't in most churches. The Holy Spirit's blessing is not there. We think we know better. I'm speaking to all of us now. We think we don't need the counsel and the wisdom of the church fathers and grandfathers. We think we know better than Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, Charles Spurgeon, Charles Bridges, Matthew Henry, the Puritans, A.W. Tozer. We burn their books and we look for something more trendy. And I'm submitting to you that until we humble ourselves and honor those who are above us, we will not know the blessing of God in our lives. So younger people, in closing, let me say, you would be wise to develop relationship with older saints who walk with God. Listen, I have benefited more from older pastors and from theologians who have been dead for centuries than I have from any new book written by a younger pastor. My pastoral philosophy is those who walk with my wise men shall be wise. I'd rather sit at the feet of a man who's been in ministry for 50 years than a man who's been in ministry for five years. It's not that I don't have friends in pastoral ministry who can help me and teach me who've been in ministry for five years, but I want to learn from the aged soldiers. I want to hear about the battles. I want to hear about their endurance. And then senior saints, can I challenge you this morning to strive to be the wise and godly people God wants you to be for the benefit of the younger generation. The younger generation needs you whether they acknowledge it or not. So you need to be the example 
to the younger generation who will say, follow me as I follow the Lord. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Do you see the beautiful nature of Christ's church here? Christ's church is to be multi-generational. There should never be, well, we're a young church or we're an old church. We're a black church, we're a white church. We're a Hispanic church, we're a Filipino church. Well, we're a male church and we're a female church. We're a rich church, we're a poor church. We're a Jew church, we're a Gentile church. No. Coming under the submission of Christ, we find that Christ accepts all. Rich and poor, young and old, Jew and Gentile, male and female, bond and free, old and young. That's the beauty of Christ's church. For the benefit of who? For the benefit of all.